In the beginning, there was not one universe, but many. With many worlds almost exactly like Earth. Here to report on those many worlds is the Multiversal News with Greg Leinweber. Wonderful, lovely guest here, Gene Johnson, a prolific science fiction and fantasy and romance writer. Uh, hello, Gene. Thank you very much, Greg. Hello. Um, well, uh, we might as well get right into it. We, uh, I would like to talk about your most recent work first, and we got a poster here. Take a good look, folks. This is the cover of Gene's book, uh, A Soldier's Duty. Um, what inspired you to write this book? Well, I, I had a dream actually about an underground society being chased, and then I, you know, when I woke up, I actually remembered it, and thought, oh, this is, would make a really cool story. But what does it mean? <laughs> Not to echo, echo the rainbow guy or anything, but I ended up coming up with a story, and one of the central characters to this story is the character of Ia, who is the main character of this four-book series. How do you spell that? I. I oh wow that is her entire name throughout the entire series and it does cause a little bit of problem at the start when she joins <laughs> the, with the Terran United Planet Space Force. Okay, uh, now uh, she's a female in the military. Uh, is she able to stack up with the the guys, or does she have a difficult time at first? Uh, she she is from a heavy world, what's called a, a planet with more than 1.51 g's gravity. Um, in the series, Earth has about 1.01 g's. She's from a planet of 3.21 g's. And it is the heaviest uh, occupied planet by sentient beings out there. So she, uh, the cover shows a skinny woman, but she comes into it with a lot of muscles. Oh, I see. So the, uh, the cover isn't really quite true to the series. The, the cover actually is pretty good. They, they got the character looking very good. White hair, Asian. Yeah. I specified it's an Asian main character. Oh, I At least half Japanese. Yeah, I see. So she did she uh, dye her hair? or? Uh, I guess uh, no, it was born white. She was born with white hair on her head. Oh, it's white. It, well, oh. you know, with, the, with okay. the gold and the explosions and everything, it kind of looks, you know, blonde. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, one of the writers I, I met there at the convention, but no, never mind. Um, now, uh, the character, uh, so she's got a lot of strength compared to the uh, other uh, characters. Well, that's good. Um, tell me, does, um, when, when she's... Uh, uh, training with the other, so does she just beat all and embarrass all the men because she, she's got a lot of strength, or what's the, what's the situation? Uh, it's basically because a lot of the people in the, in this case, the Terran United Planets uh, Space Force Branch Marine Corps, they put them in mech suits. It's just a case of force mul multipliers. Okay. When you're in the suit, whatever you do is amplified by the various machinery. I see. So she actually is told the first time she puts on her suit, She's not to hit anybody very hard because it will amplify her strength. Oh my goodness, so she's gonna scale it back a bit. Yes, a lot of women in, in this series, in this universe, go into the Space Force Branch Navy because yeah. you know they're the pilots, they're the crews, they're the navigators, they're on board the ships and they're, used, they're gunners. They're yeah. not hand-to-hand -hand combat like in the Space Force Branch Army or Marine Corps. Well, there's a place for everyone in the, in the military. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well. Okay. Then. Well, I got a really good question here. I want to uh, propose to you. Now, 
this is the first book, and it, it says in the in how many uh, books do you plan to write after this one? I guess there are four books in the "There's Not to Reason Why" series. The first one is "A Soldier's Duty." Yeah. It comes out July 26th this summer. The next one will be released sometime next year. It's called "An Officer's Duty," yeah. followed by "Hellfire," which is the name of her first really big command ship, and then "Damnation." Ah, okay. Well, "Damnation" sounds like uh, it's where the the uh, story starts to resolve itself but uh, are you still in the process of thinking this one through or, or I've been working on this series since the first time through college back in the early 90s I have written or technically rewritten the first two books and then I will be writing the next two books shortly okay well all right now what process do you use to when you're writing a military novel do you uh, what kind of uh, how do you get yourself into the mood to write a military type of science fiction? That's actually a very good uh, question. I use music. I use a lot of soundtracks from uh, adventure movies. Oh, um, okay. When I'm doing like a desert scene in some of my other books that I already have out, I, I really like the soundtrack from Prince of Persia, Sands of Time. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, yeah, and like The a, Mummy or... A classic. Uh, yeah, classics like that. I also listen to a lot of the soundtracks from Babylon 5 because they are absolutely outstanding. Oh, music yes. Music by Christopher <laughs> Franck. Yes, Outstanding yes. music. great to compose oh, to. Oh, it's well, the, some of the best music ever written. I was never a big fan of Tangerine Dream, but God, he did great work on, on Babylon 5. Um, all right. Uh, now, uh, what kind of research did you do? Did you did, uh, did you do any research to try to add some life to this? I've, I am a research junkie. I will, if you tell me about something, I'll sit there and go, ooh, tell me more. I, I have done a lot of research into strategy and tactics. I've researched ah. um, his, his, um, military history. I love the old times, uh, you know, the castles and knights and things like that. I've also got a lot of friends and family who are working in the military, various different branches of it, and they allowed me to ruthlessly interrogate them with teddy bear, tea, cookies, and whiskey. Oh, good. Well, that whiskey is probably the, the closer on that. Yeah, I tended to get a little bit more results when I offered that. Okay, now, now a, a, a quick question here. Now, when you're uh, doing the research, how do you apply the research of old military tactics to uh, uh, space-age warfare? A lot of the things are very similar. Uh, for instance, there was an old uh, British uh, tactic called crossing the T. And what it was is that they had smaller, faster ships than a lot of the Spanish Armada, and they would literally swerve in behind or in front of the Spanish ships and their galleons. And as they crossed the T, they would fire off their cannons straight down the deck of the ship, and it was very devastating. Oh, of course. And this well, is a yeah. similar tactic. It's just in three dimensions. Yeah, well, the British were lucky. They had uh, uh, longer-range cannons, and they were more Oh, active. that helped, definitely. Yeah. Oh, yes, and not to mention, well, let's not get into the <laughs> special water, but, you know, a lot of space warfare has, uh, especially with battleships in space, would uh, tend to be a lot like... Uh, yeah, there's, uh, sea battles. there is a problem that comes up in the second book, not to spoiler anyone, but they talk about, or actually even in this book, when she's on the first day on the firing range and they're discussing the various capabilities of the weapons they have, there is what's called in um, the fourth, or one of the rules of the, uh, the range is what's downrange of your target. If you miss, you really want to know where that bullet, or in the oh, case yeah. may be, that laser fire is going. Laser fire will keep going until it disperses. And in the series, in the, the standard atmospheric conditions, like say on planet Earth, 
their um, handheld ra laser rifles will continue firing and be able to light a candle at two kilometers. Wow. So okay. you really have to know what you're aiming so at. So if you're surrounding your enemy, you've got a good chance of killing your own people. If yeah, and, and if you're firing in space, there isn't any air to disperse the laser, so it's just a matter of it slowly, gradually unfocusing. So we're talking like minutes in yeah. overfire. Um, the, one of the wow. things that I like about the Babylon 5 series, which did have some influence, though not the universe, but on the mechanics and stuff of the series, is that they showed the laser fire keeping going and the ships kept going. If you know you lose power, you just keep going deadhead on you, you don't yeah. stop like in Star Trek. Yeah. I made sure that I checked over some of the physics in my books so that you at least feel a little more realistic. Like no sound in space unless yeah. it's reverberating off of your own hull. Yeah, well in a book that's not really a big problem. But you know, they could uh, MGM could buy this up. <laughs> you never know. I'm a very visual person. I, I literally see yeah. it as scenes in my head and then I try to describe it as best I can on the page. Well that's that sounds really nice. Okay, now how how does this particular first book develop? Um, you've already written the book. Uh, is yeah, does she develop any good comrade friendships around? Does she have any uh, personal enemies or anything like that? Um, yeah, the premise of the book is what if you could foresee the future and all of its possibilities and 300 years into that future you saw a giant race coming to destroy the entire galaxy. What would you do to stop them? What oh. would you give up? And Ia, the only way she can see it of all the possibilities that she can see is to go into the military and create a legend about herself so people will follow her precognitive directives because humans don't live more in the future more than like 120 years yeah. so she's not going to be around 300 years from now yeah. so she has to set up a series of dominoes and her main job is to get everything set up just right create the right legends not create the wrong ones um, and it's, it's a case of she really doesn't have a lot of time to make friends a lot of friends but she does make a few yeah, okay. Uh, so is she able to see into the future? Yes, very okay. clearly. It's wow. just that she sees all the various different possibilities. Like, uh, for example, in this universe, I'm holding the microphone in my right hand. In a parallel universe, I'm holding it in my left hand. I see. And, you know, swapping back and forth. Right. Um, so there's a possibilities. The future is yes, still not she, set. She's st it's still not set, but she's trying to guide it. Like, uh, she sees them as a series of streams, time streams, she calls them. Oh. And so she's building up dikes and levees and canals by the various actions and her precognitive directives. Oh, speaking so. of dikes, is she a lesbian? No, she is okay. not. That was a dumb question. I'm <laughs> no, no, sorry. actually, it was a pretty good question. I was on a panel at Northwestcon 34 this last weekend where the uh, gentleman next to me had a character who was a lesbian blacksmith, yeah. and it looked like it was going to be a really good series. Unfortunately, as a writer, I don't have a lot of leisure reading time, but I'm going to look into that one. So. Yeah, well, that sounds good. Now, okay, so she can see the future, so that uh, gives her a sort of a heads up as to what's going on. Does she ever, like, uh, inform her uh, superiors? We're about to get attacked, better to reload or... Um, if she were to tell everybody that she has these abilities, they'd pull her out of the Marine Corps in the first book and stuff her into the Special Forces. Oh, yeah, because yeah, and put her what, in a little box somewhere. Yeah, what happens is, is they don't want to, if people do actually have real precognitive powers, they don't want to lose that because yeah. it is an edge over everyone oh, else. Oh, that's right. And the main enemy in this series is a race called the Salic. They're kind of like a cross between a frog and an octopus. Are these the ones that are here now, not the ones coming in 300 No, no, years? They're, the ones, they're the ones here and now. There's an okay. entirely different race coming in 300 years, and I'm hoping to be able to write that series, too. Yeah. Um, but they have basically two goals, galactic conquest and lunch, preferably still oh. kicking and screaming. <laughs> 
Oh, they so, like a little fight in their food. Yeah, so um, she's, you know, she cannot reveal her abilities too soon because she needs to be able to practice them in combat yeah. so that she can ignore the chaos, focus, and get done what needs to be done. She doesn't always, because the probabilities sometimes go against her. If there's a 3% a chance something will go wrong, most of the time, 97% of the time, it should go right, but there's still a chance it'll go wrong, and yeah. sometimes it does. Well, okay, now this brings up another interesting question. During combat, is she able to anticipate what the enemies going how they're going to swing their weapon and how they're going to attack her with it and that sort uh, of thing? Most of the time, yes, but not even she can dodge laser fire. Oh, well, yeah, all right. Okay, well, that's a good thing to know. She is putting her life on the line. Uh, yes, she uh, she gets beaten up, battered. They have in the series something called regenerative goo, which helps the body heal faster, so she can bounce back. Yeah. They can even replace lost or missing limbs in the wow, future. Wow, It's based based on the, the the science research that are people trying to do right now. I try to slip a little, you know, sneak a little science into science, my books. Oh yeah, of course. Well, uh, that's a, if it's science fiction, you do want to have that in there. Um, well, this may not be a. Uh, uh, how did you consult with any physicists or scientists to discuss uh, um, I did consult with a member of the astronomy department here at the University of Washington okay and he told me basically there are no maps for what I need to know needed to know so if I get any of the star systems wrong it's my fault not theirs yeah, so I did okay. give them a thank you in the books and the acknowledgement well it's there's so many star systems out there that are already named uh, and, and, and some of them are under the naming system of an alien race so exactly I that right way. so some of these uh, stars we have named are going to be called something else, especially we're just going to have to call them something else because we can't go to, uh, you know, the uh, Telforn system and, and when the aliens call it the Viscacar system and everybody around that is calling it the Viscacar, it's pretty much going Yeah, to we may call it Betelgeuse, but it end up being Viscacar depending upon what people think. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, th does that happen very often in, the, in this world? Um, there's several different races in this universe. Uh, most of them are oxygen-breathing, carbon-based. There's one that's methane-breathing, and they love illogic. Um, they voted wow. most strongly to make Tarango the tra uh, trade tongue because of its many illogical inconsistencies, and the others agreed because it was easier to pronounce than what they were using. Yeah. Um, but other than that, uh, you do end up dealing with various different races. The Dolumbla are the methane-breathing ones. The Gatsugi have four arms. I admit, I, I'm, I would love to have four arms many, many a time, but no, <laughs> I end up being human. Yeah. Okay, now, um, let's see, what, what time is it right now? What, uh, I've turned off my phone, so I don't know. 20 after. 20 after, okay. Well, I want to give a good uh, 25 minutes for this book, so let's see if I got any good, good solid questions. Uh, do they ha what kind of food do they eat? Um, they eat a variety of things. She comes from a world that actually has an atmosphere. It's what's called M-class in astronomy language, yeah. uh, you know, Earth -like. human, uh, yeah. Earth-like. But of course it has extremely heavy gravity. So what they do is they have um, mostly Terran foods, you know, take them out to the colonies. On board the ships in space, they have life support, which is based on aquaculture. So they have water being filtered through plants, through fish ponds, more plants, through chicken hand, uh, 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 chicken coops, and, and so on and so forth. And so you have live produce on most ships, unless they're really small. Um, there are some ships that are very fast, called courier ships. They travel by other light. They open up basically an artificial wormhole and um, get sucked through to the far side. It has some drawbacks. You get rather nauseated. You, you your body runs out of minerals because you're living too fast. 
The other version is FTL, which is where you find the life support that's um, based on aquaculture. That's faster than light, and it basically yeah. wraps you in a field that greases you through physics. You don't have any side effects, but it takes longer to get anywhere. Yeah, so, okay. I mean, I had to come up with some way that they could actually go from planet to planet. Uh, of course you do. It's, uh, <laughs> it, it, science fiction gets really tedious yeah. and boring when you're taking a thousand years to get to Yeah, you. yeah, and cryosleep is, I'm, I'm not sure I'd want to try to go through that because I'm oh, afraid I wouldn't wake cryo up. Oh, cryosleep. By the no. time you wake up, uh, you've been conquered by the Gorflarkians. And yeah, the, and, and or, or it's like red dwarf all over again, and you're listed yeah, the last human right. alive. All right. And, and Although, you know, if Danny John Jules were around it being cat, I wouldn't mind. He's cute. <laughs> <laughs> now, in, in this yeah. series, in this yeah. series, the Terrans uh, came up with other than light because, you know, we have Einstein saying you can't go past the speed of light, and everybody else came yeah. up with faster than light. And Every, everybody knows you can cheat, though. Oh, yeah, you can cheat. There's lots Listen. of ways to, you know, get around the a rules of gravity of and so on and so forth. Gate technology, I think, is going to be the, uh, and wormhole technology will be the, the way that, that we go in the, in yeah. the future. In yeah. fact, it's going to become so prevalent. I remember reading this one uh, science fiction novel where uh, they, uh, they, people had these uh, wings of their houses that'd be on different planets. I forgot who wrote that. I think it's uh, oh, Simmons. Oh, that sounds interesting. Simmons wrote that with uh, uh, with the series he had with the the uh, that creature covered with knives. I forgot which one that was. Uh, Endymion and uh, uh, the Shrike. Uh, <laughs> and and these people they they would go through these little wormholes to get to different parts of their house. It was that's one thing I like. Do you have uh, what kind of tech? How does technology work on the human level in, in these books is that are people got little wristbands where they can um, watch the Jetsons on their they have wrist units for identification it's just basically something you put on in the morning and you go around and do things in the military they have their wristbands and, and the command ones are larger and they of course when you put on a mech suit it slots into the machine and helps you control it um, okay. it's how you identify yourself so on and so forth it's kind of in a way um, a little bit totalitarian because you know you have to have your identity, but yeah. there's also you know, layers of protection and security and privacy. Um, for instance, uh, when she goes into counseling after her first bat uh, battle in combat, as all soldiers are required to do their first time through, uh, she's you know reassured that the session will be recorded, but it'll be locked and sealed so that not even the Admiral General, the head of the Space oh, Force yeah. will be able to get into it unless, you know, she starts snapping and collecting ears or something. Yeah, right, kinda right. Gross. So they, they can't see you crying about uh, yeah, for your first yeah. kill. But they are given <laughs> psychological counseling, which, you know, is that a I major problem for the military these days. Yeah. I, well, right. That's a privacy. That's uh, interesting that your society has a lot of uh, strength of privacy. Okay. Yeah. Um, when she's in the second book, uh, An Officer's Duty, she goes into the, uh, she switches from the Marine Corps to the Navy so she can learn how to pilot a ship. Yeah. And she goes to an officer's academy, and when she's there, she's she she ends up getting a roommate, and it's like they wait, have to wake her up in the morning, and, and the guy's like, come on, you have to unlock the door. <laughs> We're asking you to unlock the door, because she locked it when she went to bed out of, out of pure habit. Yeah. And so she gets up, she opens up the door. It's like, you know, I, I realize, you know, it's interrupting your privacy, but you have a new roommate, and we have to introduce you to it. Yeah. So, and just remember, you're not allowed to lock it for during inspection hours. <laughs> Well, that's, that's, that sounds intriguing. That's a very interesting world. Uh, I would like to ask you more about the world that creates this military, what type of life it's like. But instead, I want to completely switch gears, and let's talk about uh, what got you inspired. What made you want to become a science fiction writer, or a writer at all? Oh, uh, when I actually a writer at all, and science fiction and fantasy, and in the case of romance, all of it combines into one thing. When I was about eight or nine, I read a book. I didn't like the ending. Oh! Yeah, I, it was a good story. Just I thought I could write a better ending. I wrote a different ending, and it sucked. Oh! <laughs> and I knew it sucked. 
Yeah. But I enjoyed it, so I kept yeah. doing it. Oh, wow, good. Yeah, I started writing when I was real young, too. Um, it's, it's strange. I mean, when, you, when you're young, sometimes you think you can do anything, and in some cases you can. Maybe uh, that is a, a good way to start. Now, what, when, the, when did you decide that you said to yourself, I am going to get something published. I'm going to write this and I'm going to submit it. I was about 15 and I was thinking, oh, I'll be a rock star and a writer on the side, or I'll be an astronaut and a writer on the side, or I'll be a whatever and a writer on the side. And I think, I'll just put writing first. Yeah. And then be it an took astronaut me a long, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, obviously I never made it that far. Yeah. Um, I just like research. I like the research and the theory more than the actually going out and doing it. I mean, I know yeah. how to do things like handle a gun safely or martial arts or whatever, just, I prefer writing. Now, when it comes to uh, actually getting published, I had um, an absolutely horrid rejection letter. I won't even tell you who it was oh. from, but it was a catch-22. It's, we don't know you're writing. Why don't you go out and get published and then we'll consider publishing you, <laughs> which is the same friggin' thing I'd heard from employers. Yeah, you know, right, you don't yeah. have the job experience. Why don't you go out and get the job? Then we'll hire you. Yeah, uh, that's that's a moronically terrible rejection. Yeah, I, I got the brilliant idea to start posting things online under a pen name. And I, I figured, you know, I'd get comments back from readers, print them out, send them in with a manuscript saying, see, I have a following, I can make you money. Yeah. And then I got sucked into the world of fanfic, which is fan-written fiction. If you think yeah. of, like, the Star Trek novels, they're not official oh, canon yeah, to the universe. Right, yeah. But they're the pinnacle of fanfic because you actually have a contract and get money. Most fanfic is done purely for love, fun, and parody, not for profit. Yeah. And I was always very careful to follow the particular author's guidelines for writing fanfic in their universe. And I actually got noticed by an editor at... Berkeley, oh. which is how I ended up writing women's fiction in the first place, because she was following the same uh, fandom that I was in, and she loved my writing, and so she asked me if I'd sub submit a novel. That ended up being The Sword, the first in an eight-book fantasy romance series called <sighs> The Sons of Destiny. Yeah, it was. Uh, so when you're writing romance, um, I assume that it's based somewhat on your own life, you know? I mean, <laughs> I will freely admit and have freely admitted that I have done over 50% of the <coughs> things I have written about. I just won't say how much over 50% I am a lady. <laughs> or which particular act or activity. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. You don't get to know that until you get oh, to know me very well. shucks. Okay, all right. Well, that's... <laughs> but uh, I, I've, I haven't had many partners, but they've been willing to be experimented upon in the sometimes in the mad scientist way. <laughs> oh, did you ever proposition somebody saying, uh, I need to do research for my book? Yes, a couple of my boyfriends. Oh, yes. that's a diabolically clever plan. Oh, yes. And they, they, were, they were, like I said, not many of them, but they were quite willing to be experimented upon. Wow. Which was very nice for me because sometimes the things that I read in romance novels are like, can they actually do that physically? <laughs> you know. Well, you got to try it out first. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Thank you. Well, what can I say? So, so mm -hmm. I'm sure some of your boyfriends might be reading your books going, hey! <laughs> I, <laughs> That's try, me. I try not to base anything off of direct experience word for word, so yeah. to speak. Um, no, but, you know, I make up stuff for the characters. What fits okay. the character in the story itself. As, as much as the I love... The same as anything else in the books. I, I love talking about sex, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but I, I want to focus more on your career now. On the first eight, uh, eight book... Uh, eight book series. Series. Yes. And it's the same characters all the way through? The uh, yeah, it starts out, it's the Sons of Destiny series. The first one is the sword. The uh, entire series was based upon a, a what-if question. What if a woman from our world ended up in a world of magic? But as a twist, unlike a lot of these other stories, 
she doesn't have magic. Oh, okay. You know, a lot of them, you end up in the other world, you end up with magic. Well, she doesn't. How would she deal with it? And then yeah, I came up with really a... That sucks, man. In a way, yes and no. She's fairly self-reliant, you know, single kid, used to working on her own ah, type. Ah, the um, magic of self-reliance. Yes, yes, self-confidence. I like, you know, various different characters. I try not to write cookie-cutter characters, but I like them to be um, different yeah. and strong. Yeah. And well. But I came up with a poem that was uh, eight stanzas long, and each stanza was about a brother, and there was eight brothers on this island. They had been exiled there because of the first uh, line in the poem or the first verse in the poem, which said if the eldest brother ever fell in love, some big disaster would happen and their empire wouldn't come to save them. So the empire kicked the brothers, who were all mages, off to this island and exiled them there. Oh. And she gets rescued by the youngest one and ends up on this planet. How do you uh, exile a mage to an island? Oh, oh They that's... agreed to it. Oh, it was either that okay. or get into a battle royale where some of them might die. Oh, boy. And when the strongest okay. of the brothers, Morgan and the youngest one, uh, said, I'm sorry, I'm not going to fight them, but I will say if, if, if they agree to have us exiled to this island. And oh, so okay. he actually sees Kelly, the woman in the first novel, and rescues her and then sort of matchmakes her with his eldest brother. And then the entire series goes from there. And it... Slowly, they, they break the curse of the prophecy on the island over the course of all eight books. It is an eight-book fantasy series. Yeah, so we got a Individually, lot of, yeah. each one is a romance. So oh, it, I, I absolutely hate it when there's a book where it's crossing genres and they use one of the genres as a cheap painted backdrop. Unfortunately, yeah. this does happen sometimes in things yeah. like paranormal romance or, or fantasy romance. So I made sure there was actual fantasy plot in the books as well as romance. Yeah. Uh, what kind of backdrop? Now, I always love uh, developing a backdrop. It's probably almost as important as, and, and fun as developing the plot and the major characters themselves. What kind of milieu uh, are, are you creating here? I mean, what, uh, it's in not the, just your average cookie uh, in, cutter in the, in the stuff? Yeah, in okay, the romance stuff? Okay, in the romance stuff. Yeah, it's... It's a world of magic. There's actual rules for how the magic works, where it comes from. It's sort of like the, the water cycle with rain and clouds and so and on and so forth. Only it comes from yeah. people and it flows into plants and you eat the plants and they make you stronger and um, so on and so forth, or wiser or whatever. Or, or they give you more magic. You know, it's, it's oh, a life yeah. cycle type thing. Yeah. There's some other rules to it too. You have to read the series. Uh, well, good. But it, it gradually <laughs> comes out over the various different books because at some points they're dealing with trying to handle new types of magic. Yeah. And they have villains. Um, a lot of it happens in the background, but the, the, the effects affect the brothers. They have to deal with the Council of Catan, which is the empire that exiled them, this and that. And they're eventually pushing for autonomy because they've been ignored by their own empire for so long. Okay, now forgive me for saying this. Now, what's the name of the series? The Sons of Destiny. Sons of Destiny. Now, the first book is called The Sword. All of them are available from like Amazon.com, Barnes and Noble. You, you can go into a bookstore, but most likely they'll be sold out, which is, you know, nice for me to hear, but Quick I'm sorry question. for my fans. Oh, I know, that's you okay. You can get them online, though. Does she stay with the same uh, lover throughout the eight books? Uh, yes, each book individually is a romance, the eldest brother and the first lady, Kelly, and then the second book, let's see, that Saber and Kelly is the first one. In the second one, The Wolf, it's Saber's twin brother, Wolfer, and his old childhood sweetheart, Alice. She shows up on the island. Oh, and then you so get the third one, okay. Dominor, and his lady, and, and it goes on. Oh, I will admit, okay. towards the end of the series, I was making up excuses to get characters out of a scene. Yeah. Because, you know, eight brothers plus eight wives plus other characters would Great show complexity up. Yes. Yeah, okay. So, they're, you know, there's, you know, trying to limit the numbers because it's very hard to write crowd scenes. And, you know, it's like, Ugh. okay, yeah. this character could do this and this character could do this, but he needs to do something else as well. So, there you go. Yeah, You're going to yeah. go off and, like, Go feed the chickens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it takes. <laughs> so it, it was a little bit difficult. The fourth, um, 
I'll give you the titles of the books. Yeah. In order, The Sword, The Wolf, The Master, The Song, and that's the first plot arc, yeah. and then followed by The Cat, The Storm, The Flame, which comes out July 5th in Mass Market, which is a normal size yeah. paperback. They're all available in trade and ebooks. Wow. And then the last one is The Mage, which of course is already out in trade and is coming out next year. Okay. And, um, which, uh, so we don't want to uh, spoiler alert. We don't. No, 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 no. You, you can no. read them in any order except for the last one. Read the mage last. It has too much plot. The no. thing about the cat and the storm, books five and six, they do take place at the same time in the same location with the same ensemble cast. They're wow. two completely different stories. Literally. Yeah. I wrote them the on the screen. The cat on the left of my s left of my screen and the storm on my right. And I write a bit of this story and then I write a bit of that story and catch up and scroll down and catch up. And then when they had because I was trying to keep the timelines fairly yeah. accurate. And whenever they shared a scene, it's from two or technically four completely different perspectives. You know, the hero and heroine in the first book, and That's the hero and heroine really in the second. Interesting. It was difficult. Yeah. I also did it yeah. in just four months. Well, oh, that must have been Because I had to yeah. send in the cat. Fire. I yeah. had to write the cat in four months, and then I had three months more for the storm. But I had to kind of write them at the same time. But yeah. really, if you read them, they start out the same, but they immediately start diverging, and they're two completely different stories. They're two completely different brothers and two wow, completely different twin sisters. that is really interesting. I've never heard of any author ever doing that before. I'm sure it must have, have been done by somebody. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it's been done by someone, but I, I wanted the challenge. Yeah. And I pulled it off. Uh, you Wow, I, I really am intrigued by that. That's very yeah, interesting. Yeah, the storm in particular, I mean, all of them uh, from the master onward managed to make it onto the national bestseller lists. Wow. The storm in particular, book six, the hero is what I like to call my brooding emo goth boy. Uh, everyone <laughs> wanted to hear his story because, you know, he's, he's the reclusive one. Yeah. And that one made it onto the extended New York Times bestseller list. Oh, way to go. Congratulations. Thank yeah. you. I was really proud of that. Oh, that's really mm -hmm. great. And you had a great idea, too. This is the kind of thing that, that helps to sell a, a piece of work is when you do something that's never been done before. Yeah, yeah. I, I did a lot of things that I'm rather proud of in that series. Are you going to be uh, doing something like this with the Soldier Studio? Are you going to have uh, characters that... Uh, or in different books at the same time? That, that, uh, no, it, uh, not really, because it is fairly linear in the fact that we're following Ia through her career in the military. Okay. There right. will be characters who will come back and recur every once in a while. Yeah. Um, but you're not going to be using that two books, writing two no, books side no, by side? No, no, it's, it's definitely <laughs> wow. a bit more That was difficult to do, and I, you know, I've done it. That's good. I don't, it's not part of this plot for yeah. the military series. Perhaps if it comes up again in the future, I know I can handle it. God, I wonder if you could, like, write four or five books at the same time with the uh, from different perspectives. I, and I, I may be an absent-minded professor type, but I'm not quite that ferret-brained, <laughs> thank God. <laughs> that would take a lot of uh, uh, juggling, uh, computer juggling. Yeah, that would, yes, would definitely. Take a bank of computers and a lot of patience and, <laughs> oh, man, a lot um, of hair Actually, I find a 23-inch video screen on the, for my monitor is, is good enough. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah? Oh, you got a big screen. You can, like, line up. Literally line scripts. them up side by side. I yeah. used to have a little, you know, way back when, a 15-inch CRT, and I was trying to flip them back and forth between when I do the editing process. I was sort of editing the wrong document. Sometimes it was the master copy, and sometimes it was the copy that had been edited my, by my beta readers. Oh, that's gonna be And I was getting yeah. getting messed up. And no, no, no. Went to. I even have a 17-inch laptop, so yeah. I can do that when I travel. Question: so. What type of software do you use for writing? Just uh, well, I write for um, in the fantasy romance. I write for Berkeley. Uh, Berkeley Sensations is, is the publisher of most of that stuff, uh, the imprint sensations. For the military, science fiction is part of ACE, ACE Books for yeah. Science Fiction and Fantasy. The thing is, is that they're both owned by the Ber Berkeley Group, 
which in turn is owned by Penguin, Penguin Putnam, big publishing house. Hold on. Hello, again. we have an airplane going yeah, by. Yeah, we do. Hi. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> they didn't know that we were doing an interview, unfortunately. Actually, I think they just wanted you know get on screen get or on something. Get on screen. Well. Well, they did. Yeah. They okay. Did, didn't um, they? Yeah. Anyway, the um, oh, what was I? Where was I going? You were talking that? about um, the different. I was I asked you what software you use. Oh yes, thank you, thank you. Um, the airplane threw, blew my mind out. Yeah. Uh, the software that they prefer to use is Microsoft Word or Word compatible, and it has yeah. to be compatible with 2003 because, okay. you know, it's a large corporation. It takes them forever to get used to something like 2007, whatever. Yeah. Um, I actually use 2007, and I know there's another version out now, and I just do it a backwards compatibility yeah. to 2003 and then, uh, in the copy doc. and paste it back in. Yeah, right. uh, actually, no, I just set up the file to save in doc as opposed to docx. Oh, yeah, that's the so, wonderful yeah. thing about Microsoft software. You can do things like that. Yeah. Um, I, I also, you know, I use a PC, not a Mac, because I grew no. up using PCs. Um, no. I, 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 I use a software. Um, I don't mean to interrupt oh, you, no, but I, I do screenwriting, so I use a, 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 a final uh, draft I, I, or whatever they use. And I, I can't screenwrite. Yeah. My great uncle is Nunnally Johnson. He had 60 plus movies that either screenwrote, produced, or directed, or sometimes all three. Yeah. I can't. I, I could probably write a screenplay to save my life, but they'd at least, you know, kneecap me and take an arm and a leg. Um, I, I really admire that. I, yeah. I don't have screenwriting in my genes. I know what a good one looks like, yeah. but it's not my skill set. I see. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, I'm surprised that I can even do it at all. But, uh, yeah, I do manage to pull it off. I've written a few things, and I, I enjoy it. I, mm -hmm. I, I'm more of a visual person. And I started getting into movie making and, and filming cool. when I was uh, doing a cable access show called the Ultra Liberal News back in, two, I started in 2002, like right before the Iraq war erupted. Mm -hmm. Oh God, was I irritated by the current state of affairs. Yeah. Yeah, my political uh, viewpoints have modified and, and shifted over, over the years. Um, I'm no longer the, quite the firebrand I was before, but I do have <laughs> some, some rather strongly held beliefs. Uh, I think we all do it to yeah. one degree or another. Yeah, of course we do. I mean, uh, well, we should take it seriously. That's why we have uh, democracies are very good because if everybody puts their input in there, then uh, we're liable to get a more you, wiser, sager. You get into it what you put into yeah, it. Yeah, and I say generally speaking, sometimes it, uh, the, the uh, body politic goes nuts. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, sometimes they stop thinking compromise is a dirty word and actually work towards a compromise. It's not yeah. a dirty word. Yeah. Um, I have my own political views, which I won't get into here, but yeah. one of the reasons why I wanted to do the military science fiction is to support the men and women who put on that uniform and go out and put their bodies and weapons and lives between the rest of us and whatever might harm us. I couldn't agree more. Now, however I feel about uh, our However we might feel about policy, the people giving them the orders, yeah, right. we support the troops. The, the people in the military uniform deserve all our support. Because, Absolutely, uh, and they, our thanks. They represent us uh, over there. And, it's like, mm -hmm. and like I, I said before, the people who make the decisions are the people we should be picking bones with. And right <laughs> yeah. now, if you have a problem, call your congressman, call your senator, and express your viewpoint. Don't be silent on this. Get out there and get it done. I just suggest that you be polite so they will actually be inclined to listen to you. <laughs> that would be a good idea. That is yes. one of the things that I've been very <laughs> careful with because I am working in a completely different from what I started out in. I mean, I've been writing science fiction and fantasy and combinations with romance for years. Since I started out in romance, it actually has been a struggle to make sure 
that the people at Berkeley and the people at ACE and the Berkeley Group and, and the PR department and everybody buying these books that yes, it is a military science fiction kick butt take name series, it's not a romance. Yeah. Um, there's a little bit of that stigma. Can an author who writes, you know, love, hack, whatever, romance, I'm sorry, I have a little bit too much plot in them to call it hack writing. Yeah. Uh, can they actually jump uh, 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 genres like that? And I say challenge accepted. I've yeah. done it, and now I'm challenging my readers to go out and read it and decide for themselves if I have succeeded. Well, I agree completely. Uh, being able to mix different genres is, uh, th is what musicians have been doing for many, many years and what all good creative artists do. They mix different types of uh, mm -hmm. uh, areas and ideas together to weave to create that story. Mm -hmm. uh, now, when you're writing, now, we're, of course, we're running out of time here, but we still got about 10 minutes left. So okay. um, I'm going to be asking you more detailed questions about your particular writing style. Okay. Um, when you're uh, coming up with characters, you ever get to a point where the character starts to warp the plot itself? Yeah, oh yes. Oh, oh yes. Oh yes. <laughs> the characters, the strength of the character begins to override your original idea of, of the plot. Sometimes. And they start changing it. Sometimes. I like liken it to, you know, of course, we, we aren't the only universe out there. You get past the fourth dimension of time, there's a fifth dimension of multiple realities. Yeah. Uh, I like to liken it as I am an interdimensional paparazzi. I'm peering. I'm baiting my fish hook with this is the type of character, this is the type of the pot, and I'm casting out there. And when I hook a live one, the story takes off. Yeah. And I can oh, sometimes yeah. tug it over to the left or over to the right where I sort of want it to go, but sometimes when it takes off, you just have to run with it. Yeah. Wow. Uh, have you ever uh, had any, any characters that uh, just uh, uh, refused to fit a certain mold that, that <laughs> broke up, that, that, that warped themselves, that their own characters began uh, yeah. to change over the, the Yeah, the I, I've had a few of those. In the series that I want to write after this one, uh, what happens 300 years into the future when he is uh, long gone, uh, actually a friend of mine that I was running the original story ideas past, he described a character, you know, I kind of offered, you know, you know, if you were like going to put a character in the story, what would you do? He's describing this character and there were so many parallels. I'm hoping I can, you know, it's been many years, I'm hoping to be able to weave it back in. Um, it was just like, yeah, I can use this, I can use this. And that is Sean Taylor, and I just want to give props to him. Thank you so much okay. for putting up with me. And Good I job, apologize for, twe <laughs> uh, for tweaking your brain for so long. He's a pretty strong guy, though. Okay. He can handle it. Well, here's another question. Uh, do you feel comfortable writing with, uh, 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 with a male character being the, the central character? Uh, oh, yes. Yeah, you can do that? Yeah. I, I tend to write females because I am a bit of a rabbit equalist, and Almost there, but not quite. Oh, also, because yeah, it's just I easier know. for me to relate to females. But I have ha heard from guys who have read my romance novels, which are the ones available at the moment. Yeah, guys do actually read romance novels. About yes, thirty percent do. of men have picked them up and enjoyed them. Yeah, just you no, know, they just won't admit it. Guilty but as charged. I've I've been told by guys who've read my novels that yeah, you actually make your guys sound like guys for the most part, which is you know really That's good a compliment. compliment. Yes. Yeah. Well, I've 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 mm -hmm. always done my very best to try to get my female characters right for whatever yes. writing I do, and it's it it can be yeah, you kind of have to run them past you know your female friends. Does this work? Does this not work? Would they say that? Yeah. That's what I do with my all of my characters, male, female, depending upon what the situation well, calls for. For us, uh, women and men are, are somewhat malleable. There are, if not, <laughs> yeah. if not women in general are like this, some are. Yeah, yeah, and some it's are. And that can be true with men, too. The, the men are, are, are on a continuum and, and have yeah, varying and degree, same with women. degrees of uh, feminine and 
masculinity uh, aspects of, of yeah. the personality. I, I feel like I am in touch with my masculine side. I can feel the testosterone. When I bought a house a little while ago, I went to Home Depot and I went, oh, toy department. <laughs> Uh, I have a girly girl side. It doesn't come out often, but I have one. Most of the time, I'm just practical. So. Yeah. Well, that's, that's mm. good. Uh, well, actually, women have a, a, a t plenty of testosterone in them, and men yeah. have very few progesterone in them. Uh, they have some it's estrogen a, in them. It has to do with, you know, biology yeah. and this and that. And you actually need a balance. It just, you know, men have a little bit more of one, and women have a little bit more of the other. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think that there were a lot more alike than we are different, and which is yeah. why it makes it easier for us to <laughs> write it. Yeah, now, writing, writing the aliens and making them now, feel alien that, enough, that was a little a harder. Challenge. Yes, that's a real, that's probably the funnest thing of all about science fiction is making convincing mm -hmm. aliens yeah. because, especially you don't want to like just copy the freaking Klingons out of space. No, no, no. I don't have any Klingons in, in yes, space. Thank no. God. Yes. No, the Salak, actually, if you want to talk about gender issues, most of them are male because they can yeah. switch gender at will. Ooh. It's just that, you know, male is preferred in their society. Yeah. Um, uh, the, which creatures are these again? The, the, the evil guys, the frogtopuses, the ones that are out for galactic conquest and lunch, preferably still kicking and screaming. screaming. The main enemy through most of the four books for Ia. There, is, there are, rather, other enemies that she has to face. There's yeah. pirates that she has to defend colonies from. There's a uh, crime lord organization that she goes up against in this book. I won't tell you how that turns out. You wow. have to read it. Sorry. No. There's an, another major alien race out there that is, she's actually going to be um, in the third and fourth books, involved first in one war and then in two wars at the same, pardon me, at the same time. Wow. So it's a very complex plot, lots going on. And then, of course, she's got a, a war forming back home on her home world, a uh, civil war. Yes. So she's right, having to uh, set up for that to make sure her side of the, what's called the free world colony, and the other ones are, not to offend anyone religiously, but they're called the Church of the One True God. They're not Christians, just to reassure oh, everyone. Good, yeah. They're actually, <laughs> they consider Christians to be polytheists. They are fanatics. And yeah. when you have a far-flung colony world that not a lot of people can go out and visit, things like that will crop up. If you have yeah. isolated societies, fanatics will crop up, things will go wrong. And so she's dealing in her own time with three three different wars and then of course a war that she a big war that she has to prepare for 300 years in the future when wow. she won't even be around to see it oh boy we've had a lot of time here we're, we're running out of time good about five minutes left yeah, greg right. good call on that i know you see how fast it goes i mean yeah, it you, does you, i've been having never, fun yeah you never have to i work. told you it would go fast gene <laughs> <laughs> yes Thank uh, you. yeah she was well warned by all of us now mm -hmm. um we have five minutes left. Do you have anything you want to say about the book that's, uh, that, um, uh, that you want to get your, you know, a point across Seriously, I, I wrote the series because I know I can write science fiction, and I've already proved as a national best-selling author that I can write fantasy romance. But I want my readers to know, break out of your usual mold. If you don't normally read romance, go pick up their books. They're available. If you don't re normally read military sci-fi, go pick it up. I was actually just told by my editor that military sci-fi is becoming the next hot thing in science fiction. Yeah. It's on the rise, and the fact that I have a strong female protagonist, and it's being written by a, a female and not you know, the typical guy yeah. trying to write a female, is going to be a really big thing. Uh, there's other authors out there who, who are you know, getting in on this. Uh, go out, go ahead, stretch your horizons. You will find I'm not the only good writer out there. There's great authors in both genres. Actually, I was just at a panel with uh, Shannon, um, Shannon Butcher, uh, wife of Jim Butcher of the uh, Dresden Files. She actually writes some fan fantasy romance. She's really good, too. Um, yeah, if you like anybody in, in that does things like this, tell people. Because we actually don't make as much money off these books as you think we do. So, you know, tell people, spread the word. If you like my books, 
please go forth and tell people. If you don't, you know, just keep quiet. We'll let die a quiet death. You know, it's not a problem. <laughs> yeah, never mind. <laughs> just but say I, nothing. I really, I try to write a really good book. People have been sucked into them. I've been yelled at for, you know, I brought home your third book in the Sons of Destiny. And I said, look, honey, when I got yanked it out of my hands and I didn't get it back for a week. And I'm like, here, buy two copies. Yes, yes, and my you know, so and so forth. <laughs> you know, just tell people about it. You will like them. I'm not responsible for anybody staying up until 3 a.m. and missing work the next day. <laughs> <laughs> that has happened, and they tried to pin it on me. I'm not responsible. Oh my You're all God. adults. Well, uh, I will, a legal disclaimer. Yeah, a little caveat on the fantasy romance. There is plot, comedy, and smut in them. So try to at least oh. be 18 Ooh. or lie convincingly. So, <laughs> I just, you know, legal, legal butt covering there. But uh, there, there is, you know, there's gore, there's um, virtually no romance in the military sci-fi. So okay. it's slightly safer for people to read. What, are, what, are, what is the most memorable character besides Ea that, that you wish you could write more about? Spider. But, What's that? Spider. Spider. Spider okay. is from New London. It's a coal mine. It's actually a gas mining station around Jupiter. And uh, he actually talks like this in the book when I write like this in the book. And he is very proud of the fact that he comes from a long line of coal miners from Newcastle area and, of course, gas miners in the Jupiter system, uh, the oh. Jupiter orbit. Okay. And so he talks like this all the time. And he um, he's, he starts out in uh, basic training with Ia. And he goes on and eventually meets up with her again in the military when she's serving the Marine Corps. And I just would love to write more about him because he's a real character. Oh, yes, he's, he's, create, he's uh, come alive. Oh, that's yeah, a wonderful he, thing about one of the things, writing yeah. characters is that they have their own breathing life in another alternate yeah. universe. They must surely <laughs> exist. I'm, I'm convinced they do because yeah. they grab onto that fish hook and drag me along. Yeah, well, that's um, great, though. They, they take you to some new undiscovered country. I have what I think is the best job in the world because I love what I do. Oh. And it looks like you love what you do, so you have the best job in the world, too. Oh, if only I got paid for it. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you know. You get paid in love, Greg. You get paid hey, in hey, love. Hey, you also get paid in advance copy. Well, I'll call a... Call yeah. my my bank and see if they'll yeah. take that. You're getting yeah. this. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, you have to share folks. that with <laughs> you have to share that with the others. I've got a few. Okay. That's an advanced reviewer's copy, and it will you can't find it for love nor money until after they've been released. It's not for sale, and I will warn you there are okay. errors in it because this is the before the final edit version. So but it's still let, readable. Let, let me see. I'm not allowed to print this up on a Xerox and sell Correct. it. Correct. You're okay. not because the. Berkeley okay. part of Berkeley All group right. part of Penguin will come down on your backside really hard. Uh, plus, it'll probably piss you off a little bit. Uh, I'd be a little disappointed in you. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I've but got better no, things to but do. But what you okay, can do, <laughs> what you can do, is read and then gloat. Yes. If I you will. like it, don't lie on my behalf. Okay. That's the rule. If you like it, tell people. Yeah. Don't lie. If you don't like it, then just keep quiet. I'm not die quite dead. good at lying. I'm really a terrible liar. <laughs> well, then, then it won't be that difficult for okay. you to say you like it. Yeah. Well, I, I, mm -hmm. I definitely got to pick this up and give it a try. I'm really intrigued. I'm a, a what? I'm really also intrigued with that uh, the the romance uh, mm -hmm. novellas that you were writing. I'm really impressed with the fact that you could write two books at the same time. <laughs> uh, that I've got to, to see. That was. I yeah, my poor family is living at home to help me take care yeah. of my father. That was interesting. Um, <laughs> that was bet. interesting. Oh, uh, when I the, uh, just real quick, the great story. When I was writing, uh, actually, when I got the last gasp chance to edit the mage, the last book in the series, I realized I hadn't read the entire series in detail. You know, skim through it to make sure I caught all the plot points. But I had eight books to edit this thing, and so I took five of them to read the previous seven books. And at round about book six, my father heard me yell. Who the heck writes this much? Yeah. Oh wait, I do. Yeah. And he fell down laughing. Yeah, that's so. that's you. 
Yeah, um, there's also a little story real quick. The reason why I do my autograph and sparkly pen is um, I, my first book, The Sword, came out, and I was so excited. I went to my local Barnes & Noble and grabbed up all the copies and went to the counter and said, Hi, I'm a new author. I like to autograph these. Can I get some autograph book stickers? And the clerk was so helpful and said, Sure, and I started signing, and people were piling up, so she went to go help them. This other clerk comes up. And oh, she, she picks Grouchly. up. Miss Grouchley. Yeah, Miss Grouchley. And she says, <laughs> have you been helped? And I said, oh, I just, you know, sign them. I just need autographed book stickers. She picks up my book. She opens it up. And she does this. That's your signature? <laughs> Biting the knuckle of chivalry, I replied. Yes, that's my signature. Well, it's so small. How's anybody going to read it? Well, oh. that's my signature. So I went home and I looked at it and black ink, it is small on a black and white page. Yeah, it is kind of hard to see. I've got to hand so cock I, it up a little the bit. Next, the very next day I was at the University Bookstore in Mill Creek and I saw sparkly pens and I thought, ooh, I'll use sparkly <laughs> pens and they'll show up. So that's why I use sparkly pens. If you find a copy of the sword in trade paperback with black ink on it, that's extremely rare because every other one since then has been signed in sparkly ink. Well, somewhere in some alternate universe, John <laughs> Hancock's name on the Constitution was signed with a sparkly pen. Oh, I love it. It's great. And that is how we're going to have to end the show. Thank you very much, Jean, for coming on. It was a thank pleasure you for having to have me. you on. Oh, an absolute delight. You are fun to be interviewed by. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, I will put that down on my resume. Oh, well, there you go. Well, there you go, folks. Uh, welcome. Uh, this has been a, a televised presentation from the universe 0000000, planet Earth. Uh, we thank you for being here, and we hope you'll come back again. Thank you.
I'm attorney Alexander Ransom. Have you been charged with a DUI or faced any other criminal charges? If you're in trouble with the law, you need a trial attorney who's aggressive, experienced, and effective. Call today for a free consultation, the law offices of Alexander Ransom. I look forward to serving you and getting your criminal charges reduced or dismissed. Call today. The law offices of Alexander Ransom. Call today. Our systems will rock your world. <laughs> <laughs> 